0: Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. Joshua chapter 14. The Bible says in verse 6, and The people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, say Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kinsanite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh-Barnea concerning you and me? What he's doing here is he's reminding Joshua, okay, of what a of an old 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 promise that God had made to the people of Israel. Okay? So he's reminding Joshua, who's at this point, they are are entering into, crossing over Jordan. they're, They're conquering lands, and they're dividing up territories by lot. Okay, so there's 12 tribes of Israel. Say 12 tribes. So there's 12 tribes of Israel, and among the 12 tribes, they are dividing up the land really by lot. Okay, by just, you know, kind of raffle, essentially. And so they're dividing it up, and Joshua says, no, 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 no. I want the land that ain't nobody else trying to get, the land that's not even on your, on your list to hand out. That's the land that I want, right? Joshua's crazy. And so it says here in our text, it says, You know the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me, he said, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. Do you remember this story? When the Lord delivers the people out of Egypt, and they cross over the Red Sea on dry ground, right? And then they end up in the wilderness, and then they go and send Moses sends how many spies? He sends 12 spies. There's 12 tribes of Israel, 12 tribes. 12 tribes of Israel, 12 spies. These are the leaders of each tribe that he's sending out, right? And so some of you guys said 10 because 10 came back with what? A really bad report, right? Ten came back with a really bad report, but two spies came back. Two of the of the leaders of the tribes of Israel uh, came back with a good report, right? What were their names? Do you remember? Joshua, and, and Caleb, right? Joshua and Caleb come back with a good report, right? And so let me just let me just look at at verse at verse uh, uh, six again. It says. You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me? You know what he said? Do you remember what the Lord said? Do you remember what the the promise was? Everywhere. Everywhere that the sole of your foot shall tread upon. That have I given unto you. We are 40 years later, right? We're 45 years later. And Caleb is like, I still remember. He says to Joshua, The word of God is still burning in my heart. He's 85 years old. He's an old dude, right? At this point. And he says, I've never forgotten the promise. And he reminds Joshua, who takes over for Moses, right? There's a promise that we have yet to see realized. But the promise of the promises of the Lord are yes and amen. The promises of the Lord are for us. The promises of the Lord are for my generation. Joshua said, or, or Caleb rather says, the promises of God will be realized in my generation. I want to remind you, Joshua, that there's a promise that we have yet to see. Wow. And he says, in verse 7, I was 40 years old when the Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. He brought a word back, not a word of just what he saw, not just his, his feelings, right? Feelings are have no bearing on what the word of God says. Feelings are a terrible terrible predictor uh, or determiner for truth. They're a terrible barometer for direction in your life. Oh, but I I just feel like he's the one. Well, I just feel like I love him. I just feel like we should be together. Well, let's go. Let's just let's just take it back to the word of God. Does he love Jesus? No? Okay, then your feelings wrong. Oh, he says he loves Jesus, but he's trying to get into your Okay, I me mean just I mean just back it up. Actually, like all your feelings are based on the wrong on the wrong idea, right? And so uh, well, I just I just feel like the way that I read the Bible and the way that I interpret the Bible and the way that I see it, <laughs> I just feel like you're not the arbiter of truth. It's His word, and as believers of God. We don't have the luxury we actually surrender our feelings about a thing to the Lord. And we do and we say and we act and we operate in accordance to his word not our feelings. Can I tell you that feelings and emotions are a big deal but but they are simply indicators of thoughts. They're indicators of belief systems often. Right? When you feel a particular way, it's just shining, usually just shines a light on what you think about the situation. It doesn't mean that what you're feeling is true. Does that make sense? So the feeling of fear can be very, very detrimental in one's heart and one's life, right? And if I get overwhelmed with the feeling of fear or anxiety, right? It doesn't mean that the situation, that doesn't mean necessarily that I should be fearful or anxious about the situation. It just means that what I think about the situation is saying that I should be fearful and anxious. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? And so feelings are, are good tools for us, but we don't base our life on feelings. We don't base our next move on feelings and, emo- and emotions. You're more than a feeling. You're more than an emotion. Say thank God. Amen. I can rise above feelings and I can rise above emotions and do what the Lord has, has purposed me to do. And so he says, he says, when I went up with, I made the, uh, verse 7, where are we at here? He says, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. It's important to understand that he's sharing a faith word. What he's sharing about what he saw in the promised land, Right? In Hebron, what he's sharing wasn't necessarily what he saw with his eyes. It's what he knew in his heart. I'm not talking about the heart of feelings and emotions. I'm talking about his spirit, what the Lord had already spoken unto him. What the Lord had already spoken unto him through Moses. It says there's going to be mighty cities that you're going to go up against, whose walls stretch to the heavens. There are going to be giants in the land, but you're going to overcome them. So he returns with a report, that's a good report, Caleb and Joshua. And the Bible says, But my but my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. He's talking about the ten spies, right? Who come back from, from their journey into the promised land, and you know the story. They felt like there was no way that they could conquer the land because there were giants there. Do you remember this story? I know some of you do, and so part of the art of of speaking to a crowd like this is there are people who have who this is old hat to, and some of, some people in the room have never heard this, right? So bear with me if you uh, if you've if you've heard this a, a few times, and I. I think they're the the spirit of God will bring revelation, uh, wherever you're at on the spectrum, to you. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I, wholly, say holy, say holy, followed the Lord, my God. It's it's interesting. I, I could slide this in here. That Caleb brings back with him, I would imagine it was him and Joshua who came back with evidence from this promised land. Does anybody remember what they brought back? Grapes, right? And so a cluster of grapes that was so large that they had, it took two men to carry the cluster. And so the Talmud actually uh, records that, that there was an argument among the spies, the 12 men who went, as to whether or not they would bring anything back and Caleb wanted to bring back more than just grapes. He wanted to bring back all the evidence of what God had promised. <clears throat> Joshua Joshua is seeing what was promised to him. Okay? This is significant because you're talking about you're talking about a people who are going to leave 400 years of bondage to a place that they know nothing of. They're going on a promise, is it. And nobody had seen the promise. They'd heard about the promise. There were murmurings about the promise, right? But nobody had seen it. But here, here is Joshua, Caleb, and the ten spies, and they're actually getting to see what God had promised. And the ten spies, some way, somehow, was like, we can't take anything back because the people's hearts will be stirred. We cannot have them have a false hope of reality here. What are they operating in? they five senses. They see the walled cities. They see the giant, the literal giants in the land, the Nephilim, right? They see these, and they're like, there's no way, there's no logical reason why we should be able to possess this land. Let's not take anything back, right? And so this argument breaks out, and the, the conclusion is we'll take back a cluster of grapes. And he brings back a cluster of grapes, and I really want to go into allegory and talk about the Spirit of God. and talk about talk about, this is just downloads from today. Talk about what a grape represents. and talk about the spirit that Caleb walked in. And there's no coincidence to me that they chose the object of grapes to bring back. Grapes is a sim, is symbolism of the spirit. Of God, We'll save that for another night. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. He's talking here to Joshua and explaining his case as to why he wants what he wants, his, his portion of land here. Verse 10, And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these forty-five years since the time the Lord spoke with his word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness and now behold I am this day 85 years old I've been wandering in this wilderness now for 45 years I'm 85 years old and I'm still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me wow amen and he says my strength now is my strength is as my strength was then for war and for going and for coming So this is a a dude that was supposed to be retiring, right? He's supposed to be putting his feet in the proverbial sand and uh, sipping on some sipping on some um, uh, non alcoholic daiquiris, right? Uh, And and so. uh, He's he's not willing to he's not willing to bury his feet in the sand. He says, The Lord has trained my hands for war, and it's what I intend to do. I may be eighty-five years old, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so here is this old man saying, I didn't grow old in the in the Lord and grow weak. I grew stronger in the Lord as I got older. Amen. And so verse 12 says, So now go give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day, for you heard on that day. On that day how the Anakin were there with great fortified cities, and he says, It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out, just as the Lord said. Wow. Where does this come from? This isn't Joshua declaring that we need to take this. This is Caleb. We you know a whole lot about Joshua, a whole not a whole lot about Caleb. Let me let me take us back here to. Uh, to uh, numbers 14 and we read 22 and 24. We'll get into this um give some insight as to, as to uh, why Caleb was, was so different. None of them, four, numbers 14, 22 through 24, none of them uh, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these 10 times have not obeyed my voice. This is after the bad report, right? So we're rewinding 40 years here. This is after the bad bad report, and this is the judgment of God for not trusting. Verse 23. None of these who uh, have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give them to their fathers, and none of those who despise me shall see it. There was a promise, but because of disobedience, they're not going to they're going to die in the wilderness. There are consequences to disobedience. Well, oh, the primary. Actually, the primary virtue of Jesus is love. Can we talk about love and its grace? Well, actually, your understanding of the attributes of Jesus is deeply flawed. The primary attribute of Jesus is actually his holiness. It's his holiness. And if he has love, it's a holy love. And if he has grace, it's holy grace. There are consequences to our disobedience. Verse 24, but my servant Caleb, this is what I wanted to extrapolate here, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Two men are going to walk into the promised land. Those are the two that had a good report. They will not be able to enter into the promised land until all the others have 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 died in the wilderness. Verse 24, my servant Caleb, because he was different. I want to talk to you tonight on this thought. You different. Tell your neighbor, you different. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We give you glory tonight. We thank you for your word. Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit would be here, the revealer of truth. God, that you would speak to hearts <clears throat> right where we're at. <clears throat> that you'd speak to us, Lord. That you challenge us. That you draw us nearer to you, to your to your your holiness, Father, by way of your word, Father. Lord, I ask that you would that you would that you would cause us in this house to be doers of your word and not hears only. Amen. You different. Um I don't know. I guess you know I know I, I learned something today. Um you know their methods. Do you know about methods? Maybe I'm saying it wrong, but methods like there are methods to um, hacking sites, and um, this is a known thing, right? Like people have the methods, and you know you different if you have the methods. You know what I'm saying? Like there are ways, there are ways for you to hop on Amazon right now, load up your cart, and check out, and and not and be charged for a fraction of what you actually. Now it's fraudulent. But there are methods, right? It's not the blessings of the Lord. It's not the favor of God. Um, it's fraudulent, but there are methods. Also on Sheen, there's a whole method, right? Sheen. Uh, so there's a whole method. I'm privy to it, actually. Like, I know the method, right? I haven't used it. I don't even shop Sheen. I feel like there's issues if you're shopping Sheen. Like, that's a whole other thing we need to talk about, right? Like, I don't know if, if um, you different if you shop Sheen, but maybe you are different in a different way. Uh so, but anyway, I don't know. Maybe Sheen's good. I don't, I just, I felt a lot of, like, pushback on that. Like, people were offended. They're like, how dare you say, uh, my bad. So, so, there are ways to, like, hack Sheen's where you can fill your cart and you can rip off afterpay, right? Like, if you use it. And so, I don't know. I'm just telling you guys, like, I, I learned all of this today. And uh, and so, Uh, You know, I'm just going to I'm going to choose, you know, with this knowledge, I'm going to choose to do what's right. Okay, period. So but if you want a method, hit me up after church and uh, there'll be a fee. Uh, So. um, Right. So, Caleb. Caleb was different. Right. Not because I said it or you said it, but because the Lord said it. He was different. He had a different spirit than anybody else. He had a different spirit than even Joshua. When they came back and the multitude was, was, heart was melting, it's not Joshua that stands up and quiets the crowd, but the scripture says Caleb stands up and quiets the crowd. And it begins to compel people to go. And 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 there was such a moving among the people that the Bible says that they started to hate him and angels had to come from heaven to prevent them from actually murdering Caleb. Right? He was that that. He was that persuasive, right, that they had, they had come uh, against him in such a way. And so Caleb is, is, of course, a spy, a spy, as we said, who, who seen what others didn't see, right? A spy who actually knew that the word of God was true. He knew it was true because he saw what others didn't see. Other people had just heard about it. But he too was a slave in Egypt. He too came to the to the to the 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 wilderness and he too heard the rumors of a promised land, but he didn't just hear the rumors, he saw it with his own eyes. He saw it with his own eyes and he said, my God, it's better than we ever dreamt what God has said to our people. It's true. It's not just a legend. It's not just a fable. I've seen it with my own eyes. Oh, he's got more than we can think, ask, or even imagine. He said, quit counting the cost, people. Let's go take the land. We already know it's been given unto us, for the Lord has promised it. And so Caleb is 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 a man who's stuck in Egypt for a good part of his life. Caleb is different in all kinds of ways. He's different because he's not a Hebrew. Caleb's not a Jew. At this time, the only people, the the only covenant people are Hebrew people, right? And so, Caleb, the Bible says that Caleb is, uh, is, is the son of... Uh, of of uh, of the enemies of the Lord <clears throat> says that he is uh, an Edomite. <clears throat> I'm I'm trying to find it for you to prove it to you. <clears throat> we already read it, but I need you to I need you to see it uh, from the tribe of Judah, but not but adopted into the tribe of Judah, right? And so Caleb is one that came out of Egypt. Caleb is one who believed the promise. Caleb, one who had this this inner knowing. While in Egypt. While in Egypt, imagine this, surrounded by. Surrounded by your your slavers. Are you with me? All you've known is slavery. And something in him says. It's not where I'm from more than this this is not where I'm from this is not where I belong Caleb who has and you you have to now imagine if you if if you have generation after generation after generation after generation of bondage right and some some loon comes from out of the wilderness right with a staff and he says follow me to the promised land right like, you've got to really believe that you're not supposed to be in, in Egypt because to march with this crazy guy, right, means to risk death. And so it wasn't just Caleb who had this inner knowing of where I am is not where I belong. But there's more where I am is not where I belong. There's more. And I think you can tell your neighbor where I am. It's not where I belong. Where I am. It's not where I belong, but maybe there's more. And so much, so much was that conviction within these these these, uh, these these men and women that they're going to they're going to follow Moses into the wilderness. But even in the wilderness, there's Caleb who says, Where I am is not where I belong. Where I am is not where i belong it's important that you understand tonight that if you are if you have come to a place where you're comfortable with your addiction there's no hope for there's no hope for a promised land for you right when you've accepted your addiction as your normal then you have no reason to go anywhere. But for those of you in the room who have this inner knowing, maybe you've heard rumors, maybe you've heard testimonies, maybe you've seen seen living testimonies of the goodness of God and of the delivering power of God. And, and, and if you if you come into this house and you have this sense of where I am is not where I belong, I know I don't have to live addicted. I know there can be freedom for me. I know I don't have to live in depression. There can be joy for me. I know I don't have to live in anxiety. There there can be peace for me. How do I get there? I've got to know that where I'm at is not where I belong. I've been created with purpose. I've been created with power. I've been created with an idea to walk in peace and justice and freedom. And this is where Caleb is at. There's more to life than what I'm experiencing. There's more than to, than methods to sheen. The son of Jephna, the Kinsanite, a Gentile, born outside of the family. Couldn't look back to a heritage of priests and priestesses. Caleb, who came from the wrong side of the tracks. Caleb, who came from the wrong family. His people are the enemies of the people of God. But Caleb is one. Who was different, who was different because he trusted the Lord holy seven times in our passage. The Bible declares that he trusted the Lord holy and the word holy is transliterated simply as different or consecrated or a set apart one, a different one. He trusted the Lord Holy and so how is this? How is this happen to a? How does this happen to somebody that's not even supposed to be in the problem? Not even supposed to be in the family, right? This is a. This is a, a microcosm of the goodness of God and the grace of God. Even when you come from the wrong side of the tracks, even when you have a long history of addiction, even when you have a long history of rebelling against God, there's still room for you at the table. The promises unto you and to your children, if you would but believe and access what God has secured at Calvary for you. So Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kinsanite, becomes a mighty warrior for God. He come, becomes one of the most courageous men of the Old Testament who has the guts to declare, give me Hebron. Perhaps the Lord will give me that mountain. Let me go back to the place where my people were ran off scared. Let me go back to the Nephilim. Let me go back to the giants that have been staring down, at most Bible historians believe that while they were wandering, they could see Hebron from where they were at. And so as they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, Joshua is forced. Joshua believed. Joshua should have taken the other side. But here he is with a bunch of people who wouldn't believe, who wanted him dead. Now, that's a whole lesson in and of itself. Can you walk in accordance to God's will for your life among people that hate you? Can you can you stay in a can you can you stay in a youth group where people are talking about you? Can you stay in a church where you don't feel like you're getting the respect that you need to get? I thought I was supposed to go where you know, where I'm appreciated. Maybe. Or maybe, like David, you're supposed to serve somebody that's trying to kill you. (laughs) Maybe God planted you here. And maybe the enemy's upset about it. And maybe you've gotten so close to the victory, so close to the purpose unfolding, so close to the next level that God has for you, that he's sending all kinds of people in the church and out of church against you. Maybe you shouldn't operate by feelings and emotions, but instead by the word of God. That's good whether or not you acknowledge it. We have this weird thing about us where we just want to go to where this is a problem, friends. Our, uh, our, our, my, I will preach all night long, unless something indicates that I shouldn't. I promise you. And our timer has froze at thirty five. I don't know whose job that was. <clears throat> you need to find a new church. You're gonna wish you had a new church. You don't figure it out. When did I start? Uh, I, I got about fifteen minutes. <clears throat> okay, forty five. Thirty five. That's 40. 840. Okay, you're giving me 10 minutes, Tia. That's that's the problem. Instead of 15. Well, it might take 45. <clears throat> Kayla says this isn't where I'm supposed to be. This is not my home. I'm not supposed to live in bondage. Where I am is not where I belong. Amen. Amen can't leave a life of sexual immorality if you come to a place where you believe that a life of sexual immorality is normal. You can't leave a life of gender confusion if you believe that you're supposed to and it's normal for you to live a life of confusion. You can't go from confusion to a sure understanding of your identity and purpose if you believe you're supposed to be confused. You can't move from depression to joy if you think depression is your normal. You can't move from addiction to freedom if you think you belong addicted you can't move into the into the pasture and the good grace of God. If you believe that his wrath, it, 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 he's he's waiting somehow to pour his wrath over you. If you if, if you believe that you've got to live and walk in the shame of your past. Amen. amen. Where I am is not. Where I belong. So, Caleb begins to ask what nobody else asks for. Why is that? Why does Caleb ask for the land that nobody else is willing to ask for? Because he sees what nobody else has seen. He asks for and has the courage to go after what nobody else will go after because he's seen what nobody else has seen. It matters your vision it matters your perception of your tomorrow. It matters what you are allowing the Spirit of God to speak about your tomorrow. It matters what you believe the purpose of God is on your life. It matters the identity of God that He's imputed unto you. It matters for your tomorrow. And when you've seen what others can't see, you're willing to do what others will not do. When you see the grace of God like Caleb has seen the grace of God, not even supposed to be in in the family of God, you're willing to love who others won't love. You're willing to give grace to who others who who no one else will give grace to. When you've experienced the magnitude of God's mercy, of His grace, and of His goodness, oh, you can't help but give God's grace and His goodness and His mercies to your brothers and to your sisters. You can't help but walk into your public school and instead of, instead of carrying a chip on your shoulders for everybody that's done you wrong and everybody that's talked sideways about you— When you've experienced the grace of God, all of a sudden you're overwhelmed with with love. You're overwhelmed with a grace and a mercy for all of those around you. And And like Caleb, oh God, give me this mountain. Give me this school for the kingdom's sake. Give me my brother. Give me my classroom. Give me my city for the kingdom of God. But you can't get to that level until you've experienced that level of grace. And you can't get to that level of determination. See, he says, he says, "Give me the heap. Give me as my inheritance." Here's the thing about the the, the, the workings of the Lord. He says, "This is this is to be my inheritance, right?" And here's the thing about inheritance that we're, we, we it's, it's easy to to misunderstand. In our understanding of inheritance, it's free. You just you just get it. It's willed to me. I don't have to do anything for it. If your parents have a living will, they can can give you things while they're alive, right? We see this story with the prodigal son, right? He said, I want my inheritance now. Give it to me. No strings attached, right? But the things of God are, uh, this is not true of the things of God. He says, for my inheritance, give me and my people Hebron, and we're going to fight. Because it's true that what God gives to you and what God, what God's grace affords you has to be fought for. Your freedom has to be fought for. Your victory has to be fought for. Your purity has to be fought for. Did you hear me? Your purity has to be fought for. I have got to. I have got to institute disciplines in my life to keep my heart pure. Because everywhere I look, the, it, the 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 spirit of the age is throwing all kinds of filth in my direction. Whether it's sexual perversion, whether it's just perversion in general, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, from every direction, from every just about even kids' cartoons these days is coming at me. There are there's all kinds of, there's a there's a, a wicked agenda. I know I want to sound like a a, a weird person here, but I'm telling you there's an agenda uh, of this, the spirit of this age to indoctrinate, to groom young children uh, of this, the gen, generation Z. There is an agenda to come after generation Z, unlike any other generation that has experience. I'm talking about a sexual uh, a yoke of sexual bondage that in no other generation has experienced And I'm just gonna okay. I don't. I don't. Yeah. You be offended if you want, but this is just reality. Do you know that Gen, Gen Z has has um, has expressed at a higher rate than any other generation has expressed? Um, um, uh, I, I'll say it like this: gender confusion. Higher rate than any other generation. Now, the, those who who who. Uh, those who portray or put forth uh, what we call queer theory, right? There's a whole, th- there's a- lots of study behind all of this for years, right? Um, um, would say that the argument is the reason why we see uh, so many students coming out as a, you know, as bent towards, you know, uh, sexually deviant than what would be normal is because there's a freedom to do it <clears throat> unlike any other time but if that were true then it wouldn't be isolated to generation z it would be across the platform of generations and also it wouldn't be regional in our country right like in specific specific schools specific cities specific states where they experience and so so all i'm saying is, is and this is an attack on homosexuality right this is this is an attack on everything that is contrary to the plan of God and the purpose of God for your life, and that's not just homosexuality. That's not trans transgenderism. Uh, it's not. It's any type of sexual immorality, anything that's contrary to the Word of God, right, whether it's sexual or not, anything that falls into the category of the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, or the lust of the eyes, right? Throw it in there. But this generation, the specific attack is sexual immorality, particularly the gender-bending gender type, right? That's the particular attack on Gen Z, unlike any other generation, because we know science we know according to neurologists of the day they say the the, the- Personality disorders are most common among those who've been prebated, which is exposed to sexual, sexual uh, content long before uh, they, they are supposed to be exposed to these kinds of things. And it causes actual personality disorders. And so Gen Z is experiencing this unlike any other generation, right? Because the, the, there's a, uh, you can control people, right, who have been, uh, can we say, molested? which means basically, basically exposed to things in an improper use for, uh, uh, use for um, uh, something that they weren't created for, right? When you molest something, it's actually to use it for your benefit and not benefit of its created purpose. That's what the term actually means. And so, but why Gen Z? Because I'm convinced that you are the generation that's going to see an unparalleled revival not in just this nation, but across the nations, across the ethnos, across the across the uh, across the, the 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 world, we are going to see. This generation is going to usher in Generation Z. The one that has experienced the greatest attack is going to see a greater move than any other generation prior to it. I'm not alone in this thought. This has been. This has been prophesied from generation to generation, this generation is the generation that very well could see the return of the Lord. Generation Z that is going to rise up in spite of the attack of the enemy with zeal for the kingdom of God. And so they're going to rise up with the spirit of Caleb that says, I don't care what other people say about me. I don't care what other people think about me. I know what is true. Not because I think it or feel it or have an emotional experience, but because his word has said it and although they want to throw stones at me and they'd like to see me killed it's not going to silence me from what is true and 45 years later here comes the old man still holding on to the word of god and what is true and what is he going to do he's going to declare prophetically perhaps god is going to give me this mountain you know the rest of the story he goes in with 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 zero military and he takes takes a uh, the takes down the giants why because he stood on the word of God and so Caleb is remarkably Courageous, and it is a it is a courage that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to put on this generation. A courage to stand against the undercurrent of sin. A courage to stand against the peer pressure of the age that'll tell you you're 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 a bigot. That'll tell you that you're full of hate. That'll tell you that you're not accepting all because you stand for what is true. Not because you hate people. That's not a part of. Uh, that's not an attribute of a Christian. Oh, the, we, uh, the word declares that God that Jesus that God sent his son Christ into the world not to condemn it but what to save it to be light in darkness. And so and so how do you how do you be light in darkness? You stand for what is true. You expose the face of God, the glory of God to humanity. Amen. And so he has this this unyielding confidence. That God is true to His Word. And I would to God that Holy Spirit would inspire an unyielding confidence in each one of you that you are who He says you are, that you have purpose on your life, that you have destiny, that you have a mandate of God to see revival unleashed through you in your schools, in your city, and in your homes. Amen. And so, this is this from the spirit of confidence comes this courage that Caleb that we see played out in Caleb's life. Right. And it bursts in, in, in him this this distinction that he's wholeheartedly the Lord's. Right. This is what he says. He is without reserve. He's given himself over to uh, the to the Lord. Amen. And so understand as as a revivalist, as one who is different, as one who carries the spirit of Caleb, you've got to be willing to fight for the mountain. You've got to be willing to fight for the thing that for generations, maybe in your family, nobody's been able to overcome. Maybe you look back over your family and it's divorce and divorce and divorce. You say, divorce stops with me. The curse stops with me. Maybe it's been generation of generation of generation of addiction, but you say with me because of the word of God and the spirit of God, addiction is broken with me. Maybe mommy and daddy, auntie and uncle, maybe a long list of those who've committed suicide run in your family. But you say, oh no, oh no, the Lord has given me not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I'll stand in a generation. I'll stand on the word of God. Hallelujah. Uh, The Roman playwright Claude has said this. He said a bell doesn't ring on its own. If someone doesn't pull or push it, it will remain silent. We need a generation that will ring the bell of heaven. Oh, how that will sound the alarm. That will, that will reveal the glory of God to a people. Amen. We need a generation Willing to lock horns with the enemy, with the demonic spirits of modern culture, with religious spirits, and to create holy spaces for God invasion. Amen. Amen. Caleb says, "I, I am not okay with wandering in the wilderness. Where I'm at is not where I'm from, Amen. Talking about an individual that was not content with where he was at. I don't know what what feelings or what emotions or stir up what holy feelings and holy emotions stir up in you. I was uh, was uh, was was scrolling Facebook uh, and saw Tia's Tia's post recently. She's like my God, I'm so burdened for this generation. Oh my, would to God that we had a generation of young people that would say, it's not okay what I see going on. It's not okay with the amount of suicide. It's not okay with the amount of addiction. It's not okay with the amount of heartbreak that I see in and around my city and my community. There's got to be a revival. There's got to be a moving of the Spirit of God. Amen. Too much at stake for us to continue to wander. Amen. I'll read you a quick story as we move to close. Six hundred years ago, a man executed for defying the corrupt religious system. A reformer. His name was John Huss becomes the first martyr of the Reformation. He contended that the scriptures should be translated immediately into native tongues of all people so everyone could receive the word directly. If you didn't know it at the time, the only people that were allowed to read the scriptures were the priests within the Catholic Church. And if you wanted wanted to, to defy that, you were deemed a heretic and could be sentenced to death. Corrupt clergy opposed this, so Huss began a work among the people of Moravia and taught them the word. But because the religious system of the day and the age didn't approve, and they realized quickly that they weren't going to be able to stop Hus, so they sought to have him burned at the stake. And before he was executed, he prophesied that God had put hidden seed in the spiritual ground of the Moravians that one day would spring up into revival. 200 years later, John Amos Comenius came on the scene in Moravia. He pastored. He pastored while the same religious system came to drive out the Moravian Christians from their homeland. Killing many of them. He led the Moravian Christians out of persecution and into neighboring Poland. Comenius never saw his home again, and the Moravians were refugees for the next hundred years. Comenius echoed Huss's words, decreeing that the hidden seed would sprout up in a hundred years, activating revival. I'm refusing to be discouraged, He would repeat this prophecy as often as he could. A hundred years is what the Lord had told him. The Bible says that we prophesy in part, right? Huss leads with the prophecy. Comenius gets another revelation of the prophecy in a hundred years. And a hundred years later, Nicholas Zinzerdorf is born into a wealthy family. During his training at an art museum in Dusseldorf, he looks upon a painting of the crucified Christ with this phrase, this have I done for you, now what will you do for me? This have I done for you, what will you do for me? I know that when we talk about the cross, It's a scary place when it becomes white noise to us. We think nothing of it. This strikes Zinzerdorf to his core, and he vows that day to abandon his all for Jesus. At 27, he took the Moravian refugees. In a short time, he began to disciple 300 Moravians who lived on his estate. And one day he came across Comenius' writings in a library which contained the prophetic word of Huss's hidden seed. That the Moravians would resurrect into a righteous revival in a hundred years. And we looked at the date of the prophecy. He noticed that it was exactly a hundred years before. So he stepped into this divine moment to change the course of history. He believed, had the guts and the courage to believe that God's word is true. Listen, I I know that when we say God's word for you, it's just this, right? But I remind you that the Bible actually says, this book actually says, in the beginning was the word. Before this ever existed was the word. And he gets a hold of a rhema word from God. And his spirit is quickened. He's like, could it be that God has chosen me at this place, at this time? And so he begins to contend, Zinzendorf does, for revival, for a divine moment in history. He calls the Moravians together on August 12, 1727. They prayed all night, which launched what is called the Moravian Pentecost. And after a hundred years, the hidden seed that Hus had had prophesied about had activated and was bringing forth revival just as Comenius had spoken. It ignited a 110-year prayer revival, amen, that launched the most significant mission movement to date. Amen. And so this is the same this is the same movement that would launch Moravian missionaries to go to be witnesses among slaves. Among the the Moravian islands that you could not make it to unless you were a slave. And so Moravians who were sold out with the spirit of Caleb said we will have revival in our generation. Perhaps the Lord will give us this mountain. And so they said we'll sell ourselves into slavery so that we can go and Preach the gospel. They're boarding slave ships. Their families are pleading for them to return, and they say, "Don't mourn for us, for the Lamb of God is 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 worthy." of the reward of his suffering they board the slave sheep sell themselves into slavery and see revival ignited among the slave islands of the Moravians why? because they were they were born into a spirit of Caleb they rose up refused, refused to bow uh, to a mountain that was that, that a mountain that was intimidating a culture that said they couldn't a world system a religious system that said they shouldn't go the religious system of the day that, should, that said that they should stay where they're at, abandoned completely for revival. Word of God coming alive in hearts. What did God in this room that the seed of revival would spring up in hearts? With courage, young people would say, I'll go, I'll do. Make let me be very clear when I say I'll go, for most of you, I'm not talking about to a foreign country. You haven't even gone to your own home, you've not even gone to your own school yet. So don't you dare say, Oh, I'm a missionary. If you can't be a missionary where you're at, this is what Caleb did. Caleb fought for the word of God where he was at. For 40 years, he wonders where he was at. Oh, but his heart was another place. He still loved. He didn't grow bitter because of the religious system. He didn't grow bitter because the people didn't like him. He didn't grow church hurt and walk around wounded and talk about being a victim, talking about if things had worked out and people would have just listened to me and I've got all the answers. No, he, he lived a life yielded to the spirit of God and he trusted the word of God right where he was at. I'm over time. Come back next week and we'll talk about some real practical ways you can be a missionary. Amen. Hallelujah. Won't you bow your heads across this room? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we trust. Thanks for listening this message blessed you in any way, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast with someone. You can follow us on social media at Haven Youth Church. We love you, fam. The best is yet to come.